0: Excellent. Well, the recording has started, which makes it official. Now we're we're officially rolling. So just as a a matter of housekeeping, once again, thank you all. Uh, If you have any questions that you would like to have answered and you're shy and don't want to unmute and ask the question here, please feel free to email us. You can reach us at info at raccoongroup.com, and we'll be monitoring those emails. And you're also welcome. You can always call the office if you want to ask a question. And and someone here will pick up the line and and grab your question and relay it to the group. But you're also always welcome to unmute and and ask your question live on the spot here. I see a smiling face who I know is always willing to ask a question. So uh, thank you again for joining us. Maybe we'll kind of, we'll, we're starting sort of with a set agenda and we welcome questions from the group. The, the kind of the main topics we're looking to focus on today are we're, we're beginning with kind of just a general market update, kind of let, let everyone know where we're at, uh, where we stand today so far in the markets and some key economic indicators and what we've seen so far this year. We'd also like to talk about Kind of the big topics on everyone's mind, which relates to interest rates and inflation, which is kind of the the biggest things happening in the market right now, and then also a little talk about what's been going on in in Europe in relation to the rest of the world and and u s policies as well so uh if there are any are there any other questions specifically on people's minds that they'd like us to touch on immediately, or we can dive in and feel free to ask your questions as they come up. Very good. Well, hearing no initial questions, that makes it easy. We'll dive in, but please feel free to jump in as, as you have questions and, and, and ask. So, um, to start the year, it's been, it's been what we'll call sort of a, a challenging year in the markets. Um, the, the S&P has started this year to date. Down 20%. It's up off its lows. We've actually had a pretty good past week. And so the S&P is still down 20% after a nice little bump. The Dow's only down 11. The Dow's seen some pretty nice movement recently. And the NASDAQ, which is largely tech and financial companies is down about 30% this year, uh, which is a, a significant movement downward. Uh, we also see other markets outside of the U.S. We see the kind of the major developed markets, what is called the EFA, which is, uh, Europe, Far East and Asia, uh, down 23% so far this year. And even the emerging markets haven't fared so well being down 29% so far this year. Um, typically when we see down markets, people look for places to go to for safety. Uh, one of those places is the bond markets. And when we look at the bond markets, we see that bonds so far this year are down. Uh, the aggregate bond market is down about 15% so far this year, which is, uh, the biggest downturn we've seen in bonds in a, in a very long time, perhaps one of the largest we've ever seen. Uh, the corporate bond market is down around 22% so far this year. And those are all in relation to rising rates. One of those rising rates that we've seen is the, the 10 year treasury, which started the year, uh, close to zero remains now at 3.9%. It ticked up over four for a little while and is at 3.9. Uh, sort of a, another measure of the economy in the more near term is the two year treasury, which trades at 4.4% uh, right now. Uh, some other highlights, maybe we look at the kind of the big winner of the year is the the energy sector, which over the past several years had lagged and uh what we see now is that the energy sector has kind of come roaring out of the gates this year and is up up sixty five percent so far this year. Uh one of those is in relation to just general demand, but also we've seen crude oil prices rise rise considerably this year. Uh and it's reflected in Profits of energy companies, uh, the technology markets. On the flip side, which had been the winner for for many years, the technology markets we see those down uh, over 28 percent, down almost 29 percent at this point. And so really impacted as people start to question the valuations of the the tech companies, which have led the bull market for for many years now. Uh, I think those are sort of the key highlights I have. But if there are anything. Is there anything you'd like me to touch on there, Rob, that I missed?
1: No. Um if we're ready to jump in and then when, as Kyle said, when we've kind of run through the 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 main agenda, uh anyone who has topics that are that are burning that they'd like to hear us talk about, we're happy to do that. We thought we'd begin with the big picture and work down towards the specifics. Without, of course, mentioning any company names, that's uh, a no-no apparently these days, uh, in public. So, um, Kyle, where shall we begin? What topic uh, shall we take on first?
0: Yeah, I think the, the big place to start would maybe be with inflation and interest rate policy. Um, as kind Mm -hmm. of mentioned, we started at almost a a 0% interest rate, uh, early in the year and the Fed has been raising rates and And it has moved the market considerably from there.
1: Great. So the big question is um, how far up will rates go? What impact will the rise in interest rates have on, on the economy? Are we in recession because of the increase in rates? I'm just going to list a bunch of questions. It's always easier to ask questions than to answer them. Of course, Um, will, will, higher interest rates actually break inflation um or are 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 some of the inflationary uh, factors outside of the realm of control of of uh central bankers who uh who have a limited uh tool chest to uh, to impact the real economy um, and then and then of course the uh, the factors that are contributing to inflation uh, range from, uh, the energy, uh, energy costs due to the, uh, conflict in Central Europe, in, in the Ukraine, as well as domestic politics, which also has impacted the price of, of energy. And, uh, so there are a lot of forces contained in just these two topics of interest rates and, and, uh, uh inflation. Uh, it was interesting to note yesterday, the European bank raised rates three quarters of a percent for the first time, uh, just because they could not afford not to keep up with the U.S. If you follow the Japanese, uh, uh, bank, the Japanese have not raised interest rates and the yen has tanked, uh, so that, um, uh, to the, to the point where Japan is acting a little bit like, um, uh, what are those countries that intervene to protect their currencies, Kyle, or, uh, or anyone, uh, uh, Argentina, um, uh, Greece?
0: It's almost just as a currency manipulator. So I'm trying to think of what we would call it, but.
1: Well, it takes a lot of money. It's essentially what the Bank of England, which we'll talk about later, what they did to intervene in their government bond market was essentially Stake kind of like take a big pile of poker chips and move them to the center of the table saying, I dare anybody to bet against me, uh, because I have so much firepower. So the, 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 the interest rates have gone up and, and they need to go up even more. Uh, the, the feds likely to raise rates again. People are now expecting rates to peak in January or February and then to slowly decline along with inflation. That's the, I think the consensus view of Wall Street is that inflation tapers off next, next year. I'm not so sure that they're, they're onto it, but that's, that's how they feel. Yep. Um, some,
0: some of the reading we had, Rob, leading up to this really suggested that, uh, although they will slow down in raising rates, that inflation often can take several years to actually cool down is what historically we've seen.
1: And several years, meaning a decade, is the traditional for, for large, if, 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 uh, if the, uh, uh, I guess the treasury goes above 5%, the history says that it will be at least five years until inflation comes back down because of the lag time, um, uh, between the two. So, uh, obviously the real estate market, which we'll talk about a little later, has been, uh, uh, greatly impacted by mortgage rates moving up to what, Nijoni, like seven percent if if someone yes. goes out for
2: yeah, absolutely. Um the average rate on a 30-year fixed mortgage is over seven percent now. So that's up from two point seven percent in twenty twenty. So the affordability for residential homes um beyond you know investment homes uh is just it's it's really Significantly uh, different. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so we saw, I mean, home sales saw the longest streak of decline since 2008. This year, uh, residential investment, meaning people buying, you know, homes for residential use fell by around a little over 25% in the third quarter this year.
1: So going back to interest rates and um, why has the Fed why have they had to raise interest rates? You know, the, the U.S. government is uh, one of the largest borrowers in the world. Their interest expense goes up exponentially. It's, it's hard to imagine. I think I saw that like the interest expense at, at five or 6% on, on the 30 year treasury was something like, was, is it a trillion dollars a year, Kyle, or do I have a couple of three zeros
0: misplaced? I I'm guessing you're probably pretty close but I don't know the number I had.
1: Anyway, it gets to be kind of absurd uh uh how much money will go out the, the treasury. Um and and so uh we're always interested in why things happen to look and see what what's likely to happen next. So the, the basics of why inflation came back with such a roar and why they had to raise interest rates has to do with the spending that occurred, um, uh, pretty much through starting with the great recession, the financial recession and then, uh, culminating in COVID in the, in the, uh, uh, I, I, don't really know what to call it, the deficit spending, the, the large amount of trillions of dollars that went out. And it's, you know, it's impossible to, uh, time for the fed to time when to stop, uh, raising rates, but the government went on and the, the amount of, uh, government spending really has pushed, uh, pushed some, the classic economic theory is that when the government spends more than private investors are, spend less, they're, they're crowded out of the market and too many dollars chasing too few goods is, is the definition of inflation, right? That's, that's the basic, uh, uh, terminology. So energy is a big component. Housing is a big component. We all know what happened with real estate prices, uh, and, um, things have started to trim back as Nijoni was intimating. A couple of minutes ago. Um, but we have not really seen the real impact of higher interest rates yet on, on real estate markets. It hasn't been really reflected in declining asset prices. Real estate has not gone down 20% like, you know, like the average stock. And, uh, do you think that's, uh, on, on going to come, Kyle? You think that the real estate market with with correct?
0: time, we still remain very supply constrained and so there's just not enough housing on the market. Uh what we saw in and kind of the big headline news was we're experiencing the largest decline of you know housing prices that we've experienced in a, a significantly long period of time. But really what we we're doing is we we're just coming down from a peak and so we're still anticipated to end the year up, I think uh around 7% in terms of home prices. So although we're experiencing a big pullback from the peak right now, house pricing will finish the year up. Um, and so it's it's pretty, you know, so when we think about that, when we compare it to the equity markets, right, the equity markets being down on average around 20%, uh, that's a significantly different scenario being up 6%.
1: The number of players in the residential single family home market, you have seen a lot of institutions enter that market, buying up thousands of, of homes for rental, uh, all over the country. And, um, uh, we see national home builders who have acquired tremendous tracts of land, hoping to, to fill that demand, that unmet demand that Kyle was just talking about. So, um.
0: What if, you know, what if the really interesting things too when we compare to the great financial crisis in 2008 is that the incentive to move is very low at this point for people to actually put their house in the market and sell or move, right? And so part of what drives home prices either up or down are people in the market to buy. But many people have been able to long-term finance their homes as as Nijoni said, at rates as low as 2.7% or even lower, uh, some of our clients have experienced. And so when you're getting into a home and you have a very low cost of capital, the incentive to move is is very low, right? And so there isn't that mobility from house to house. So let's
1: um – uh, are there any questions about interest rates and inflation? Why don't we, why don't we open it up? I don't know, Kyle, if, uh, you can see questions that come in or if anyone wants to raise their virtual hand and ask anything about inflation. The, of course, the war in the Ukraine, uh, has greatly impacted, uh, natural gas prices in particular. And, and, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that in, in the next
0: section. Yeah, I think the big item would be those breadbasket items coming from Ukraine. So things that are wheat or corn based, I believe, would be major exports of Ukraine as well, driving inflation.
1: I recently took a hike with a, a, a man from the Czech Republic and he was talking about, uh, the, the resentment, uh, the Czechs the Czech Republic has 10 million people. They, they've they accepted 300,000 Ukrainian refugees in, you know, in good spirits, uh, without conflict. Uh, but the price of gasoline has gone up, I think, around 50% since the Ukrainian, uh, war conflict started in the Czech Republic. So, um, that's a, a major impact and as we know from our domestic elections, uh the price of gas has some correlation. I'm not sure what to to whether the incumbent uh, party gets elected or frowned upon uh, one way or the other. So yep.
0: well, I was just going to say it's one of the interesting ways because we talk about inflation really from a U.S. based perspective, right, where U.S. policies, where we continue to sort of, uh I guess, feed uh overheating economy over the years with low interest rates, stimulus programs. It's really kind of impacted everything globally when combined with COVID. And so the inflation that we're experiencing in the U.S. is, you know, if not equal around the world, even higher in many places. And we've been talking a lot about the U.K. where that's that's even you know more relevant because they're seeing higher inflation than the US and and have fewer tools than we do to to right the ship. Okay, so maybe want to do we want to move into to Europe Rob?
1: Sure kind of halfway there already.
0: Yeah, yeah, so we just we thought Europe was sort of a big conversation one because the the UK has continues to to give us news to stimulate conversation uh but also because obviously the impacts of the war in Ukraine on the the rest of the EU as well and so we thought it'd be an interesting topic for today. I don't know if you have a place you'd like to start, Rob.
1: Um Sure, Let, let's start with England and then, and then, uh, look at the rest of, of, of the, uh, the, the continent and see what, what's happening. um the, the discussion, uh, uh, or, or the turmoil, the political turmoil and sort of the rise and fall of, of the first prime minister, um uh, Having to do with, uh, what are their, uh, policies as far as taxes and government spending? And, uh, much of that flows from their decision to leave the, you know, the, uh, their, I guess they weren't fully in the European Union, but, but mostly. And, um, uh, uh, they were making a case that they could, they could have a entrepreneurial environment in London and that it would attract, uh, companies and entrepreneurs from around the globe. That was the kind of the financial impetus besides the uh, very important populist reasons why people voted to leave the, the, union, the the European Union. Not unlike, you know, the kind of the, very divisive politics that we're experiencing now in our country uh uh between the you know the segment that thinks elections were stolen or or and and then the the section that is worried about sort of um you know a takeover of the government or a sort of civil civil unrest which which i think is greatly overblown i don't think we're in for for any of that but i think Majority of the people in the, in the U.S. are centrists. They want a moderate kind of rational course and, you know, believe in, uh, uh, not, not disengagement from, from issues, but, but kind of reasonable, uh, reasonable policies. We'll see. Hard to, hard to run on a, on a bland ticket like that. So, uh, in England, um, the uh, the current prime minister a hedge fund person uh we'll see how they do the the structural problems in england uh regarding their access to natural resources and the costs of running uh uh running their government are just um Almost too hard to understand it's a as Kyle you were talking about how how small England is compared to you know the major economies and so what we wonder is that is that nominally the problem was that um people lost confidence in the ability of the government to keep interest rates in check, and so they started dumping uh British bonds. And when, like in 2008, in this country, when people started dumping mortgage bonds, um, the insurance companies and pension funds that have to price their portfolios uh get in trouble when the prices are down too far. And then they're forced, like a margin call, they're forced to sell more. And that becomes a cascade. And so, British, the Bank of England, just jumped in and put a stop to that saying, essentially, they were going to support the price of their government bonds. I, I, I'm fond of saying the government bond market is the most important market in the world, far outstripping the stock market or the currency market, um, uh, because when a government loses confidence is when social change happens sort of out of anyone's control uh uh it's kind of the first it first step towards countries becoming warlike or uh, the population sort of taking to the street which which we haven't seen in a, in a long time and uh the british are not they're a lot like americans they're pretty pretty much glued to their tvs and not like the french who like to go out and throw croissants at people and Things like that. So. that
0: protests. Yes. Yeah. Well, it, it, we we came into the office here when talking about the UK, and we're very very sort of confused because as they were starting to try to tighten the economy and rein in inflation, they realized these issues that came up, and as the confidence in the bond market started to fail, they had to ease. So at the same time that they're tightening their rope, they're also loosening it uh all at the same time which which sort of was very confusing and then essentially led to a turnover in the prime minister very quickly so
1: so that loosening of the reins meaning the giving in to supporting market prices with government action is the fundamental issue in the European Union as well as in the in the US the, the markets are very used to having a base, a bottom established by the government because of the fear of loss of public confidence and a very real fear. If, the, if the public doesn't buy government bonds, then the government has to buy it from itself and they don't really know what happens after that. So since we've had and 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 for for about 20 years germany has been the sort of the anchor of the european union right germany essentially bailed out spain and greece and turkey and cyprus and some people would say france but but that that's a different story um uh the french and germans don't you know they they have their own dance that they play um so Britain thought that they were going to instill some austerity and and make it up in a Reaganite in a Thatcherite kind of way by cutting taxes, which actually does increase tax revenue, but it takes time, and 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 the markets didn't like it. And so uh,
0: and the markets the markets believe that by cutting the taxes that they would have to issue more debt, and by issuing more debt they wouldn't be able to actually pay back all that debt.
1: And that's the basis of inflation, quite frankly. That's why we have inflation um, is because there is so much money out there, and we haven't really talked about the supply chain or the cost of commodities, the price of commodities, right? The commodity market is up, uh, you know, with energy, this is probably the second best performing, uh, market sector, I believe in, in 2022. And the supply chain issues have not gone away in large, uh, uh, people are still waiting for construction materials and steel and the things that started during COVID because plants were shut down, um, really have not uh, are geared back up and caught back up that it with the exception like of, 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 uh, chips, right? Kyle, the semiconductor industry has caught up so that the automobile industry is, is sort of back on its feet.
0: Slowly we still have a, I mean, the automobile industry now has another lag, right? Which is the actual production of the vehicles with the chips and then, you know, accessing workers and other materials such as, you know, aluminum and steel
1: right, so um Germany is uh uh obviously the this the, you know the whole discussion about green energy and sustainable and climate change kind of comes into the discussion because that that was the uh reason why uh Europe turned its back on its own reserves. I saw an estimate that that Europe has enough natural gas underneath. Its own borders to power Europe for fifty years, and they turn their back on that much in the same way as as uh, you know. And we try not to get into politics here on on the raccoon groups. You know, we're we're like agnostic. Uh, we don't like anybody. At least I don't like anybody. So um, uh, everyone has their own opinion. The 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 whatever you think about you know electric cars they're they're great um the the u s is going to be the major support of Europe with liquefied natural gas right they're gearing up to take the place of Russian gas with liquefied natural gas from from other places in the world but but we have tremendous stores and Europe does as well so Germany and the other countries turn their back on on the traditional carbon And and that may be a good thing. It was just a political choice that's come back to now. You know, we'll see. This winter is going to be super, super important, very uncomfortable for a lot of people in Europe uh, to get heating oil.
0: It's a huge danger, especially for the lower income populations in Europe, that if there's a cold or sustained winter that – you know people will i mean we don't want to get too dark, but people will freeze in Europe because access to uh affordable heating is is not going to be there
1: they're you know what they're doing in Europe is they're, they they ha- they have you always think well, okay, conservation efforts, why didn't they do that before like we've known about like insulating your windows or you know pushing silicone into the cracks or whatever they're going to ration energy in europe uh for sure and um uh that that really the the public will will see how the public does with that and how German industry does with that because german industry is is very much dependent on on steady supply of power their their whole sort of small manufacturing industries that's the basis of their their export strength that does kind of a little bit into China, but we'll stay away. I was warned to stay away from talking about China for until the very end. If someone wants to ask about China, then then I can talk about it. But but for now, we'll stay we'll stay with Europe. So, uh, you know, the 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 inflationary and the supply shortages in Europe, um, uh, the euro. If if you've gone to Europe or you want this is the time to go to Europe with parity with the US dollar right you can almost buy a hamburger in paris now if you're if you're a hamburger eater um uh because um they really are playing catch up Not mustard but ketchup with that's um, a good one thank you. <laughs> <laughs> with uh um you know with their past at, uh policies now I won't go on and on about it. Uh, so maybe Kyle, you can, or maybe, maybe someone else has something to, to say about the, the European markets have not been as, uh, as, as hard hit, right? The, the, uh, um, they haven't seen the downs that the U.S. tech market has seen because our tech market was up so much and, and the valuations. And so, you know, they say what goes up comes down, but, um, not so sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think largely in Europe, when we look at them, I mean, Europe's still down 16% year to date, so uh, a considerable downturn. But one of the things that, you know, favors Europe certainly is the the lack of the innovative companies, the growth-based companies that many of which are based in the U.S. and rising rates impact more than Europe, right? Europe – when we look at Europe, you're going to have your sort of your many of your older stall, stalwarts. I guess we'll call them right. And so, uh, and a lot of healthcare based companies, uh, healthcare has actually performed fairly well this year, uh, energy producers as well. And so Europe has, you know, fared slightly better than the US as a whole in terms of their stock market. I think mm-hmm. the, I think the stock market recovery, you know, is going to be a challenge in Europe if we if we start to see a real recession, whether in the US and Europe, um, that the stock market recovery could be a real challenge in Europe as they try to, you know, write more areas of their economy than just, you know, just the inflation piece.
1: There there are a lot of economic factors, uh indicators that say that we're not in a deep recession. Uh, manufacturing activity is strong. Um I yeah,
0: employment numbers are doing really well uh consumer confidence hasn't dropped as much as you would expect uh there are a lot of indicators that say i mean one that we're not in a recession, but also that uh we're sort of better prepared for any recession if we do face one so that's good, yeah, we think of that as as good news uh the Joni and I were recently at a conference and they, the big talk was a shallow recession. So they, they like to, you know, measure how bad it's going to be. And so really saying like, it's a, a recession that they see coming, but it's going, it should be a very shallow recession is how the description was. Yeah. Did so you see a, the
2: question? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I have it. Yeah,
0: that's fine. So we had a recession. Come in and the, the question asks, question and recession rhyme, so it makes it a difficult question for us. But, uh, what would a recession look like here in the U.S. was the question that came in. Yeah, so, um, you know, one of the things it's, it's been interesting to watch is, as we watch sort of the, the, the market and the futures as economic indicators are reported, we're all sort of hoping for bad news, which is which is a, a a rare thing and so when when the last uh unemployment report came out we saw unemployment at 3 3.5% where it actually dropped again so we saw you know in what would be improving unemployment numbers we sort of kicked ourselves because we knew that the stock market would be would be down that day the stock market wants some bad news uh, because bad news would mean that inflation was being tamed. Uh, so, when you know a recession in the U.S. would really be a slowdown in economic activity, right? And so that would be a you know more job openings. Right now, there's a real uh issue that we deal with. I think there's whatever the number is. There's two, two to 10, one. Yeah, ten million job openings and only six million people looking for work. Something like that was the number that we that we saw today, and so basically you have you know more job openings than people wanting to work, and so we'd really need to see an inverse of that for a recession right so it'd be returned to declining wages versus increasing wages, which we have right now um, we'd see fewer people working, decrease in home prices um there's a i guess i mean I'm sure there's a lot of factors that.
2: Continued slowdown in the GDP, and we just saw growth there in the third quarter.
0: Yeah, so I I think each, I mean, each recession kind of presents itself differently in the broad economy.
1: And there it would be industry by industry. Certainly the real estate, you know, the number of people employed in real estate would go down uh, with high mortgage rates. Brokers leave the business just like in the financial field, uh, 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 banks are – all you read about is banks laying off people. Um, and so, same thing in the tech industry. You see a reduction in jobs. In some of the megatechs, uh, for the first time, you see reduced earnings. So, we see signs that the industries that have sort of climbed to lofty heights, uh, both in terms of their stock valuations and also the sort of people's – esteem for them ha- has already fallen off, and that's not, not necessarily a bad thing. Um,
2: and I think we said this somewhat already, but much of the burden, and we've said this each the last couple of quarters, much of the burden of inflation is really on the shoulders of uh, lower-income households right now. Uh They're certainly, you know, they're going to be hit, impacted more by food prices, uh shelter, we're seeing the impact in the housing market and the rental market. Uh The burden is really impacting low-income renters right now more than it is higher-income people. The higher-income people were able to move out of places like, you know, some of the coastal city centers like New York and San Francisco, all of the Sunbelt cities, everything's higher there. Uh But the people with lower income who can't manage that, um, and then can't you know some of the rate increases are as high as seventeen percent um and you know they can't they can't manage those increases uh so they're showing record numbers of we saw this with you know millennials before uh and certainly early in the pandemic, but now we're seeing more people uh again moving in with their parents or like doubling up living living together, so it's not yet I think. Uh, hit higher income households, but certainly in the same way or to the same degree
1: good points um any other questions before someone asks me about China and i know one person that usually has questions, but he's he was looking he was looking
0: for the he was looking for the mute button I could see it so <laughs> Before you
1: get to China, what about Japan? It well would we, be a good place to look for value to me absolutely um, you know the Japanese government has been buying stocks. It would look like the Social Security administration buying the s and p five hundred. For the Social Security Fund, Japan has been doing that for years now in that they, you know, they're a cohesive society. And so they can the public doesn't mind the government getting involved in a lot of things they've had. They've had very slow growth. They're not a a huge factor. They, of course, are very concerned about uh, 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 what's going on in North Korea. Uh, as, as, as well as China's overtures towards Taiwan. Um, but yeah, I think it's just, it's so hard to invest in other countries because the rules are so different. Uh, uh, and, and again, when people were investing in China, you know, China's stock market in the night, in the 2000, the first decade, what, you know, went crazy, uh, uh, and even the first half of, of the last decade. Um, but in the long run, the less entrepreneurial, uh, uh, a market is, the less growth potential it has. And so Japan has just, I don't know, if you look at a chart, Kyle, of the, of the Nikkei index and sort of the cycle that it's been through, you might, you might be able to, you know, Pile in at one point and then get out, but it's not like they have a lot of super innovative companies in in a, in a broad variety of industries, which is which is why the Nikkei, you know, hasn't broken out of a probably a thirty or a forty year trading range. Um, is that when after the last great inflationary period of of the nineteen seventies, when the Japanese automobile companies sort of looked like they were going to take over? and And the Japanese banks you know were buying all the land in Hawaii, et cetera um they just fell back because they weren't able to adapt and and uh you know that that that's a strength of their society and it's also a weakness um uh so that's 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 about Japan
0: I actually just yeah that, that oh, I was just just thinking because I've shown this chart to the group before, it's just. It's one of those cautionary tales where we've seen the Nikkei really, it went, I think it went about 17 years between highs in the market. And so basically we had a, a long sustained drop in Japan and now they've reached since reached new highs. But uh, when we think about a market pullback and, you know, the lasting impacts, the Nikkei went 17 years before retracing to new highs, which is pretty considerable. And uh, you know, I mean, obviously we, we hope to never see that in the U.S., but it's, it's certainly something when we look at these major economies that,
1: that, that are, that have central, basically, I won't say control, but that have a strong central say in what goes on. It's, it's, uh, I, I just want to talk a little bit about Russia before we, you know, go on Great. because people are, you know, Another thing that this man from the Czech Republic said is that, you know, we've read about the the Russians taking the um, kids to Russia from the Ukraine, and what they don't talk about is the persecution of the ethnic minorities. And this is what the the Czech guy was saying, is that there's very real genocide going on, much like in went on in, in, in Yugoslavia when it broke apart, that part of Putin's Whatever mindset is a, Ru- a a Russian character, a a Russian ethnic minority that has a greatness aspect to it, and that that explains and he why he wants to, because he sees the Ukrainians really as as like you know Russians, and and that the the growth in the demographics in Russia is among the Muslim population and not the traditional whatever they call. Call it not Slavic, but, uh, I forget the term for the, the, the Russian language. Rob, Robert, can you tell me what that's called? Uh, oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, one thing that when, when you, when you, yeah, when we can see your face, we can, we can joke with you, but if we can't only can see your name, it's hard to, it's hard to joke. So, um, So Russia, uh, this kind of craziness and the, uh, you know, the probability of a dirty bomb going off, uh, uh, of exporting, you know, uh, uh, I mean, the Russians are in terrible shape, you know, conscripting people and sending them to, to fight after two weeks. It's, they, they, they are very much backed into a corner of, 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 of their own making, but it, it, it definitely is a, is a, is something to watch. Watch out for because, um, there's, there's not, Putin doesn't have a lot of options of how to exit gracefully from this situation without admitting defeat. And, and, uh, you know, what, what, what the U.S. and, and, and NATO and Europe has done has been to try and toe that line and, you know, it's amazing how fast people change their tunes in Germany and and NATO to support the Ukraine, you know, and not just their energy policy, but their military aid policy. And none of this is being lost on China, which is really if Russia is other than its nuclear bombs is not an existential threat or, or an economic competitor to the U S like China is and, and China has continued to grow its army especially its navy to where uh people think that the US could not um uh in a in a hand to hand not hand to hand but a real a real fight would not necessarily prevail other than through technology and and that China has a window uh where they also have a a a, a, dem- a demographic challenge in with their the results of the one child policy is that that their you know their population is aging not quite as aged as ours or Europe or Japan is but um uh their whole manufacturing base uh, unless it automates and so what uh, that's very long winded to 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 come back to the point of, is the US which is very amazing it has just come out with a new policy about exporting technology to China it's it's a major major thing that's just happened where uh not just uh it's it's artificial intelligence technology it's semiconductor technology uh i i i, I can't remember the others but it's essentially an act of of uh isolation uh at, you, i wouldn't call it war with china but it's it's a very very serious diplomatic and, uh, uh, and, and, um, you know, every, I'm sure everyone follows the, you know, the recent Congress and China and the sort of the power of the chairman. Um, but it's very likely, just like Putin represents a danger to Europe, that China has a window of, 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 of sort of tactical superiority untested because the Chinese military is totally untested. Um, uh, uh, regarding Taiwan, which, which relates to the semiconductor industry, which, which Kyle and, and the group follow. Um, uh, and, and, you know, Taiwan is. Well,
0: that's what we saw in the U.S., right? We saw the CHIPS Act. Uh, we saw a major subsidy go to Taiwan Semiconductor to set up a, basically a facility in the United States. I think it's – I mean, the number was big. I can't recall what the number was. But the actual amount given to make sure that we have an alternative to Taiwanese-produced semiconductors was enough that Congress went out and they, you know, passed an entire act to promote U.S.-based semiconductor production.
1: Yes, Um uh, there was a question about, about the delinking of the Chinese and the U.S. economies, which is, uh, on a, on a conscious, uh, uh, for a decision on the part of the U.S., because obviously the Chinese have taken a lot more than they've given. They, they've given us a lot of consumer goods, uh, uh, at, at very reasonable prices. Um, it's it's very hard to know you know the manufacturing base of the u s is you know it's very hard to build a new factory here people are building uh electric battery factories they're building chip factories we know this as a fact uh because we know where the construction is happening um but steel mills um uh 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 plastics uh refineries uh um you don't see uh, upgrades, uh, of the, of the U.S.'s, uh, you know, sort of basic commodity, uh, industries. Um, and, uh, it's, it's very hard to know how that pans out. I, actually, I have a theory about it, which, which, which may
0: maybe what, what's interesting there is that we're, we're going through a period of, you know, globally nationalism, right? Where we see sort of a, a reversal. Of you know kind of globalization right now right which which that's I think kind of core at what you're talking about is that it creates a lot of issues for the u s and in, in the sense that as we we in other countries isolate more, that the ability to produce and have access to goods becomes more expensive, which also is you know more inflationary as well.
1: That's right. And so the supply chain issues that we've experienced and the inflation that we've experienced may be mild to com- compare to what we could experience. And, and, and maybe that's just a way of saying, you know, it's, it, we may complain about how expensive things are, but at least we can still get them eventually. And that's not necessarily the case. Um, you know, except for these sort of blocks of these trading blocks, because if we do delink from China, um, uh apart from the, the sort of strategic defensive military, which is very important, but we'll leave that out, um, that just in terms of pure trade and the availability of, of metals and materials for electronic bat- batteries where everyone's familiar with the rare earth or Whatever they're called, the the, the difficulty of getting the, the the materials to make these high-tech devices that we think are going to make a difference going forward. Um, but but that's not necessarily a there's no guarantee that 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 system um, you know works as well as it did let's say 10 years ago or 20 years ago. But you know we're optimists. There'll 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 be some solution out there.
3: The Raccoon group is comprised of investment professionals registered with Hightower Advisors, LLC, and SEC-registered investment advisor. Some investment professionals may also be registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA, and SIPC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there is no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is neither indicative nor a guarantee of future results. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data or other information referenced herein is from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other data or information contained in this presentation is provided as general market commentary and does not constitute investment advice. The Raccoon Group and Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates make no representations or warranties expressed or implied as to the accuracy or completeness of the information or for statements or errors or omissions or results obtained from the use of this information. The Raccoon Group and Hightower Advisors, LLC, assume no liability for any action made or taken in reliance on or relating in any way to this information. The information is provided as of the date referenced in this document. Such data and other information are subject to change without notice. This podcast was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed herein are solely those of the author, do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates.